take God's Word and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And I, I love thinking about the coming of the Savior because in many ways the first coming and arrival of Christ, the first advent as we refer to it, in so many ways helps us to know what His second coming will be like. There are many parallels. And when you consider the first coming of Christ... It was a very dark era of human history. And I think we sometimes forget that the world has experienced great darkness before. And if we're not careful, we have the idea that things are so dark that darkness is actually winning. And I want to encourage you this morning by looking together at Isaiah chapter 9. Let's read from verse 1 to 7. I want to share with you some Christmas expectations that I hope will help you through this season, not just the Christmas season, but this dark world and dark season that we are walking even now. Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now I like that last sentence. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's a promise, it's a certainty of what God will do. And he has already begun to do what he has promised to do. And therefore we as as his children should not doubt that he will complete what he has started. But let me give you three Christmas expectations that were three promises and three Christmas expectations to God's people then. 700 years before Christ first came. These expectations, these promises were given, and therefore, although in their mind they knew not when the Messiah was going to come, they believed that he would indeed come because the promise had been given. And so although we know not when Jesus will return, we still have some promises that tell us he is going to return, and there are some promises to help keep us along the journey. Here's the first one. Here's the first promise. The first promise is this. There is light. There is light. 
Now, it's dark. I know that. I don't mean physically outside, but spiritually it is dark. And it is becoming more and more oppressive, it feels to us. We have not experienced such oppression and darkness in our lives. Uh, so therefore, with what we have to compare, this is the darkest point of our history, no doubt. And it is dark, but if you aren't careful, you will begin to imagine that it's going to become so dark that the light will be snuffed out. But I love the way that chapter 9 begins. It begins with hope. The very first word is a word of hope. Nevertheless, nevertheless, chapter 8 precedes that word of hope. In chapter 8, the last sort of four verses are, are verses of darkness, the verses of truth. The Bible says in verse 19, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, and that mutter, Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them, literally no mourning in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Now that is precisely the condition of the world before Christ entered. There was a dearth, a famine of the word of God. And let's be honest, at least in our day and age, at least in the last couple of hundred years of human history, there has not been a dearth or famine like there is today for preaching and teaching of the Word of God. The voice of God was almost silent, and they had been driven to darkness. Have you felt that you've been driven to darkness lately? Have you felt that darkness has, has surrounded you? These verses speak one after the other. Verse 19 speaks about familiar spirits and wizards. It speaks about how there's no light in them. Verse 20 says that there's no light, no mourning in them at all. It talks about them passing through darkness and passing through such a time when it's a hard journey, a hard traveling, where, there's no, where they're hungry, there's no food. And it comes to the past, the Bible says they fret themselves, they worry to death. You could say worried of how they will eat and worried of the darkness that's surrounding them, worried of how they'll live and what are they going to do, fretting themselves. And it drives them, that darkness, that fretting, that hunger, would even drive them to curse their king, their leaders, and even curse their God. Curse their leaders first because they see their leaders, and then curse their God. Why did you let this happen, God? How could this be? Verse 22, almost uh, climactic, you could say, in the, in the measure of darkness, they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness. What a bad combination. It's bad enough to be in the dark. How much worse is it to have trouble in the dark? Trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. When you consider what the world was like before Christ Jesus was born, it was dark. 
And if you consider what the world is like now and what the scriptures prophesy it to be before the Lord returns, it is dark. Nevertheless, chapter 9, verse 1, nevertheless, as dark as it may be, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. Now, I love this verse. I love this verse. The Bible speaks in this portion about people who walked in darkness that have seen a great light. Can I ask you this this morning? Have you seen the light of Christ? Has the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shined in your hearts? That's what uh, Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians in chapter, uh, chapter 4. He, he speaks about in verse number 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, we don't give up, we don't quit, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if, watch this, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Would you look here for a moment? Let me tell you what happens when someone is born again. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shines unto you. It goes on to explain it. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you know when Christ was born on this earth, for 33 years he lived and then he died. But did you know in those 33 years there were many people that met him that never saw him to be the Savior of the world. And there are people today who are living in darkness in this dark world who may have heard the message of Christ and the message of the gospel, but their heart and soul is still dark. I love the way that Paul explains that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now, I know the world is dark, and I know that it is progressively getting darker, but I know that my soul will never be as dark as it was before I met Christ. I don't care how dark the world gets. I do not care how, how, how oppressive it gets. I don't care how difficult it becomes. I don't care how much persecution comes and tribulation. My heart will never be any darker. Never. Because the light of the gospel has shined unto me. And as a child of God, this is your hope. I know the world is dark. And I know it's getting darker. Nevertheless, the dimness, the darkness that is in the world will not be like it was before you were saved. Don't forget that. Before you were lost, there was a darkness in your heart that you could feel, that you couldn't write out with definition. But when the gospel of the Lord Jesus shined into your heart and you were born again, that can never be undone. No matter how dark it gets outside, inside it can never be undone. Because Christ Jesus lives there and because God himself commanded the light to shine and shine in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The most glorious expression of God was the birth, the physical manifestation of God in flesh. 
And that's been shined. The knowledge of that has been shined in our hearts. And let me encourage you today, as dark as the world may get, your heart will always know light. So rejoice. Rejoice. No matter what happens in this world. So, oh, but it's getting darker and darker. I understand. But my heart and yours should be getting brighter and brighter. The Bible says the righteous shine as stars. It should be shining brighter and brighter until the day. And I hope that you will remember that. There's your first Christmas expectation and promise. That the light will grow brighter and brighter within your soul. Within your heart. No matter how dark it is outside. And the truth is if we would, if we would emphasize that more than we emphasize the darkness around us. We would make a difference. The world does not need you to tell them how dark it is. They can see it. They can feel it. What the world needs you to tell them is how bright the light of Jesus is. That's what they need. You need to live it. But if you're living in fear and constant nervousness and uncertainty, then my friend, you are not allowing that light to shine as it should. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Now, let me give you a second Christmas expectation, a second promise. Something you can believe and expect in this dark hour, in this dark season. There's light. And number two, he will multiply the nation. Now, I don't mean this nation. So don't get too excited. Some folks are diehard nationalists, and that's okay to a degree. We ought to be nationalistic about the kingdom of God. And he will multiply that nation. Verse number three says, Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Now this is a beautiful little thought here. Though darkness be swelling and increasing around us, I want to remind you that God himself is multiplying his nation. Though all the nations be destroyed, though it look like all the earth be ripped to pieces and all the nations, the sovereignty of the nations be destroyed for this desire of one world a nation and one world government, let me tell you, he is multiplying his nation. Though darkness seem to increase and the forces of evil seem to multiply, do not be deceived, my friend, because he is multiplying his nation. And every time a soul is saved, his kingdom is growing. Every time one is brought from darkness unto light, from death unto life, then his nation is multiplied. You say, but it doesn't feel like he's multiplying his nation. It feels like there are fewer and fewer believers now than ever before. Let, look, at the, look at verse 3 again. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. Now look here. We have this idea that it's going to be, feel wonderful and a big celebration. And, and we have this idea of, of in our, some idea in our mind of joyful celebration and physical uh, rejoicing as in when a harvest time is brought in, when a farmer brings a good harvest or when a farmer makes a good income. But the scriptures say our joy is before him. 
Thou must multiply the nation and not increase the joy. They joy before thee. Our joy is not a fleshly, carnal joy. Our joy is before God. It is far deeper than the joy that comes in a season and disappears when all your money burns a hole through its pocket. Our joy is more than the joy that is found on Christmas morning when presents are unwrapped beneath the tree and the children are delighted for about 3.5 minutes. <laughs> Our joy is far greater than that. Our joy is before Him. And that means that although things be dark and although things get difficult, we still can joy before Him. The gospel brings true joy. As sorrowful, the apostle once wrote, yet always rejoicing. Though darkness, yet always light within. So we have this promise of light. We have this promise of multiplying his nation. And we have a third promise, which I think is the cherry on top. Verse number four, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. We have one last expectation. We can expect light. We can expect a multiplying of the nation, and we can expect to be set free. You can expect it. It's a promise. Now, lest you be confused like the first Christians were, I remind you that the second coming of Christ is very similar to the first coming. And the first coming of Christ, when he came, uh, the disciples were expecting him to tie up the Roman government. They were expecting the Lord Jesus to turn the Roman government upside down on its head and uh, they would then be ruling. And Christ, their king, would be ruling. But unless you imagine that the Lord Jesus' deliverance is going to be a deliverance from this government, it will be one day. He'll deliver us from all the governments of the world. He'll deliver us from all tyranny one day very soon. But even today, he is delivering. Whether you see what you think you want to see right now or not, he is delivering this Christmas morning and you can expect it. He deliver us. The Bible says, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden. We've been set free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Son has delivered us. We are no longer slaves. We were previously uh, bound up beneath the yoke of sin, enslaved beneath the yoke of sin. We couldn't get out like some ox or some creature. We were bound and destined to sin. Some people say, I'm not a slave to my sin. I can stop anytime I want to. I, I, I'm not a slave. And I say to them, oh, my friend, you think you're free. You might be free to change your sin from sin to sin, but you're never free to stop sinning. You're bound. You're enslaved. But I want you to know that the promise and expectation of Christmas is that there's deliverance. 
We've been set free. He has broken the yoke. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to the law. We've been set free. The yoke of his burden has been broken, the scriptures say. And the staff of his shoulder has been broken. It goes on in another little expression. The rod of his oppressor has also been broken. Now I love this because the Lord Jesus takes the oppressive tools of the enemy and makes them gentle tools of his care, tender care and keeping. He breaks the yoke of bondage and invites us to get beneath the yoke with him. He breaks the rod and staff of the oppressor, but yet the Lord is my shepherd. He comforts us with his rod and his staff. It's an amazing principle that the Lord would deliver us, break all that has oppressed us, enslaved us for so many years, and then gives unto us a better way. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, verse number 4, that the Spirit of the Lord God, a prophecy of Jesus, to be fulfilled when he came the first time, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Jesus stood up in the temple one day, opened up the, the scroll of Isaiah and read this. He hath sent me. Now let me remind you here, children and adults, that Jesus was sent. Not just born. People have this idea of born in the manger. Yes, but he was sent from God. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Meaning, while they were still in the prison, he told them, he preached to them that there is liberty, you will be free. And then the Bible says in the next verse, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, I love this. When Jesus quotes this in the book of Luke, he stops at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Because when Christ came the first time, he came to say, today is the day of salvation. He, he came to say, this is the acceptable year of the Lord, the year when you can be set free, the year when you can be delivered. And instead of thinking of being delivered from, from some tyranny or some physical earthly government, Think about being delivered from your sin. That's the greatest problem. Think about the need to be delivered from your brokenness, to be set free. And the Bible says that Christ was sent to do that, to bind up your broken heart, to break the yoke, and to bind up your broken heart at the same time, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And watch this. The Lord left this out in Luke, not, by, not because he made a mistake, but because when he came the first time, that's what he came to do. But when he comes the second time, look at this last phrase. And the day of vengeance of our God. The difference between the first coming and the second coming of Christ is the first coming, Christ Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the second coming, make no mistake about it, he comes to judge the world. And that's coming. That is coming. And we look forward to that day. So you look forward to judgment? Yes, because my sin has been judged already. He's broken the yoke of bondage that was once holding me. He has set me a captive free. And therefore, when he comes to judge the world, I shall not be judged. I shall stand by his side. This is the promise. 
Now look how he promises to do it. The Bible says in verse 5, For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. The way that most battles are won and that most oppressed people are set free is through, is through force, through bow and arrow, and through sword and through weapons of men's warfare. The Bible says in this portion, but this deliverance shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Now I believe there's a twofold meaning. I believe this deliverance is speaking uh, first and primarily of the deliverance of the Holy Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God moves within the heart of a man, a man or woman is set free. A captive is set free. It isn't done with a knife like some religions may cause some to be converted. It isn't done with force or with weapon. It's done by the Spirit of the living God that moves in our hearts. Scriptures often portray the moving and working of the Spirit of God like a fire, a consuming fire. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire, consuming all of our sin, consuming all the dross, burning up all that is unpleasing in His sight. It shall be by the Spirit of the living God, not by flesh, not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And so we know that this deliverance will be a spiritual deliverance, and ultimately, according to Peter himself, the Lord Jesus shall return, and this world shall be burnt. There shall be nothing left of it. Peter speaks about, uh, well, we talk today about global warming. Let me tell you about the greatest global warming that's coming. That's coming when the Lord Jesus shall judge this world, and it shall all be, be spent, be burnt, the Scriptures say. And uh, we are therefore ready. I hope that you are as well. But the scriptures speak very plainly in 2 Peter chapter 3 about this very same fact. The scriptures say in verse number 10, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So there are your three Christmas promises and expectations today. There is light. Do not let the darkness of this world overcome you. Do not let it happen. There is light. And if you've been born again, the light of the gospel has shined into your soul. Not only is there light, he is winning. His nation, his kingdom is increasing. Amen. I love that Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's happening. The scriptures say here, we'll perhaps look at it tomorrow, that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. There's a promise of light. There's a promise of his government, of his nation, his kingdom, ruling and multiplying. And there's a promise of deliverance. That promise, all of those were fulfilled in Christ the first time and will be fulfilled ultimately the second time when he comes again. These are promises and expectations. And God in his mercy has revealed what has been done and what will be done. So do not be discouraged. I don't care how dark it gets. 
we have light, we are multiplying, his kingdom is coming, and he will. He has delivered, he is delivering us, and he will deliver us. The question this morning, look here, have you been delivered? Have you been born again? Have you seen that light? Or do you still this day sit in darkness? Do you still this day fear what's happening in the world around you? There is light. Christ Jesus came to give you light. He came to save your soul so that his kingdom may come. So that his government should know no decrease but only increase. And he came to deliver you, to set you free. Some of you have tried to change. Maybe you've even acted like a good person. Tried to act like a Christian. But you know that things really have never changed. Because you've done it all yourself. You need Christ. That's why he came. And if you don't get on the right side now, before he comes again, it will be eternally too late. May the Lord help us. There's hope. We have promises and expectations. Let us stand on these today and this season. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Jesus, our Savior. Thankful for the promise, the promises of what we have received in Him. What He has come to accomplish and what He will finish. We praise Thee, Lord, that we have this promise that if He hath begun a good work in us, He will perform it. He will finish it. And we rejoice to see that work finished in us and in this world very soon. Give us expectancy, hope, and much light in this dark season, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.